0: Amen. Thank you, team. They will be back shortly. Watch this space. Okay, so there are. I'm a bit boomy, Steve. Can you unboomy me, be a, me a bit? Is that all right, Echoey or something? It'll just turn me off. Be better. Okay, so there are two introductory premises which lead to the thread which weaves and runs its way through Refreshing, Refreshing, Refreshing 2023, unless the Lord radically redirects me, which he's welcome to do. And those premises are this. Number one, there is untold, untapped, unlimited treasure. I'm going to say that again because I just love saying that. Feel free to join in. There is untold, untapped, unlimited treasure to be found in the presence of God. Which means, as far as I'm concerned, worship time becomes like a treasure hunt. What does the Lord have for us today? And the second premise, and I shared these last time, is to become who we need to be and to do what we know we need to do we are going to need encounters in the presence of God. So church needs to shift. It needs to shift from being a calendar entry or a tick box exercise or, a, or an act of religious compliance. What we need is an encounter with his spirit, which for me leads to two Follow-on questions, question number one is what exactly is that treasure? And question number two is how can we facilitate those encounters? Last time I I showed you nine headings for nine refreshings to run through 2023. There they are on the screen, there they list nine pieces of treasure. They list nine items of business that the Holy Spirit wants to do with us and in us. The inspiration from that list comes from Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah's vision. We'll look at that in a minute. The plan for today is to spend hopefully 20 minutes looking at the second one. We've covered the first one. Looking at the second one. And that's going to hopefully lead us into a naturally, supernaturally, into a time of worship and response. That's the plan. So heading number two, I'll read uh, all the realignment, repentance, refining, restoration, refilling, recommissioning, revelation, rest, and refreshing. And the good news is, yay, today it's repentance. I'm sure you wish that was ninth on the list and you could not rock up that week. But let's put this into the Isaiah 6 context straight away. Isaiah has just seen what can only be described as a spectacular vision of God in his heavenly temple. And in that scene, the angels are crying out those three immortal words, holy, holy, holy. And at the end of that, Isaiah declares himself to be undone. Isaiah 6, verse 5, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. Undone. Aren't you grateful for the gospel? Very grateful. Amen. The long and short of it is when when Isaiah sees the glory and the holiness of God, he falls on his face. He immediately sees his own sin and his own heart and his uncleanness, his own uncleanness for what it really is. And when you see God as he really is, the inevitable consequence is you begin to see yourself as you really are. And so the presence of God becomes at the place of repentance. We talk about repentance a little bit today. I can imagine when when I say that word, there are a few inward sighs. Here comes a heavy message designed to beat me up, and make me feel utterly inadequate, as if I don't already. But what I intend to show you tonight is that being quick to repent is vital if we want to experience the transforming power of God, which we do. So we need to start by examining what what repentance actually is, You know, repentance is far more than than a sense of regret or remorse. The Hebrew word derives from the verb to return. So it's not the immortal, sorry I got caught. It's how do I get back onto the right path. And actually it's even more than that. It's a willingness to turn completely to God so he can transform you even if that means turning you upside down and inside out. The Greek word uh, used for repent literally means a a change of mind. It's thinking differently. It's a change for the better. If you like, it's a reorientation of our thinking. I I used to do it my way but now I've repented, I've decided to do it his. And you know what, you will be infinitely quicker to repent once you've come to the radical, sensational, life-changing conclusion that God knows best. Anyone not received that revelation yet? I, I suggest at the end you get on your knees. That'll sort everything out for you really fast. And of course the key component in all of this will be the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit with which we would do well to familiarize ourselves. I'm going to propose for you tonight that repentance is three things. First of all, repentance is an action. Secondly, repentance is an attitude. And thirdly, it is a spirit. So look at those very briefly. Number one, repentance is an action. Here's the famous verse we were all taught, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Praise the Lord. You know, repentance should be our default response when we commit sin. I think it's fair to say that that historically Christianity has struggled to find a balanced position on repentance. It's lurched from a one extreme Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God, to what I think we find sometimes nowadays, which is absolutely no mention of sin whatsoever. Arguably sin being redefined. But here's, here's what I think it should look like. Like this, because, because I am so attuned to the Lord, so aware of his presence, so, so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I am lightning quick to recognise when I need to repent, to return, to change my mind, to redirect my course. Let me say this, you don't need to repent every time to stay safely saved. That's beyond doubt. But you do need to repent every time to stay close to God. Ultimately, repenting is about protecting the precious relationship that you have with the Lord. Simply put, sin jeopardizes intimacy. Sin is not so much God turning his back on me. God will never turn his back on you. Sin actually is me turning my back on God. I really don't want to grieve or quench his spirit. As Catherine Corman famously said, don't grieve him, he's all I've got. So repentance is the action that turns you back to God. Secondly, repentance is a heart attitude. Here's a question, question for me. Are you quick to repent or do you tend to jump to justification? Here's a statement. God wants you to have a heart that is soft to him but hard to sin. Proverbs 8, verse 13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Why would I want to be out of step with God? Why would I want to be out of his will? Why would I want to do anything that that offends his holiness or, or opposes him and his purposes? Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. And Isaiah 66 too, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. To, to be contrite is to allow our own grief and sorrow to take us, ourselves, to the point of brokenness. You see, either, either we break ourselves by maintaining an attitude of constant repentance. Or God will allow life and sin and its consequence. He'll allow that to break us. And we all know which of those two choices is the better one. So the best thing we can do is to foster, to cultivate a repentant heart. This is key to holiness. It's key to integrity. It's the key to staying securely in his will. It's the key to keeping your heart right and humble and supple. It's it's how we break any lingering resistance or stubbornness or rebelliousness. And it's how we make sure he can readily and easily catch our attention. That line really jumped out at me this week. Without a repentant heart, If we allow our heart to be hardened, he is going to struggle to catch our attention. But if we will cultivate, foster this repentant, this contrite, this broken spirit, then it means God can quickly and easily catch our attention. For me, prayer and worship are are vital to the cultivating of this heart. It's heartfelt worship that keeps us submitted and surrendered. For me, the definition of a good worship set is one that gives me the opportunity to fall on my knees, on my face, where frankly I belong. And and to be fair, consecration dominates my prayer life because again, it keeps me humble and soft and contrite, dare I say, repentant. And then thirdly, repentance is a spirit You might say repentance is a move of the Spirit. It's a Spirit that sweeps through a church and a community and even a nation when enough people have a repentant heart. When enough people invite God in. When enough people recognize their need of Him, their abject failure to cope without Him, their their, their sinful rejection of Him then a a spirit of repentance falls on the church. A spirit of willing brokenness. A spirit of surrender and submission. A spirit of sensitivity and openness. A longing for transformation stirred by the Spirit of God. And the spirit of repentance cries out, Lord, have mercy on us. And it pleads, Lord, change our hearts. And it sings, send revival. Start with me. And you know what, that is an incredibly powerful place. That is a fertile soil where, where God can move unhindered by flesh and self and pride. Spirit captured by two many verses, two verses, Joel 2, verse 12, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. And of course, 2 Chronicles 7:14, we quote often, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways if they would repent, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And looking back at church history, this spirit of repentance typically has been the precursor to and probably the primary theme of revival. It's either the catalyst that ignites it, or or it's the immediate consequence of the move, the outpouring of that spirit. And I don't know about you, but I long for that spirit to sweep through this land once again. Two quotes, nearly there, two quotes that I saw on Twitter this week. Twitter is not all bad, I've discovered. The first one uh, is J. John's verse of the day from Tuesday. Sure you all saw it. Isaiah 66 verse two, I've already quoted it. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble, tremble at my word. Let me ask you a couple of leading questions and forgive me if I tread on your toes. Do you tremble? Or do you run away? Are you humble? Or are you proud? Somewhere between the two. Are you contrite? Or have you become a little bit calloused? A little bit seared? A little bit hardened and resistant? That verse actually goes on to say, verse three, but those who choose their own ways Delighting in their detestable sins, will not have their offerings accepted. And the second quote was from a guy I follow called Scott Sauls, who I think is a, a disciple essentially of Tim Keller. And he said, True maturity does not mean repenting less, it means repenting more and also more quickly. The idea of that is, and I I guess that's the kind of overriding message that I want you to get today, is that the more mature you become, the more sensitive you will become to the will of God and to the holiness of God. say that again, the more mature you become, the more sensitive you will become as a direct result of that maturity to the will of God and to the holiness of God. As we mature, we should become so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that we cannot repent quickly enough. We cannot get to our knees fast enough. We cannot obey precisely enough. And we have an overwhelming, driving urge to turn to the ways of God whenever, whatever, and however. True maturity does not mean repenting less. Hopefully it means you've got a little less to repent of. What it really means is repenting more and doing it more quickly. Does the Lord have to drag you to your knees? Does the Lord have to allow the circumstance of life to break you? Or have you developed a, a repentant heart? Do you have an attitude that says, God, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it was one part of my and 99% therefore, I am going to fall on my knees and be quick to repent. Because anything I can do to turn back to you, do it your way, I'm going to do. Okay, so how do we respond uh, tonight? I've got three responses for you. The first one simply is this, and it's fairly obvious. Do you have, I'm not going to look out because you're going to think I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm not. Do you have anything you need to repent of today? I'm to looking at Barry because I'm sure he doesn't. Do you have anything, as I'm speaking, is, there, is that kind of Holy Spirit conscience prick going, you need to turn around. You need to change this thing. I'd say if there's anything you need to repent of today, get to it. You will never regret it. And you know what? If you will do so, it will open the door to the freedom that you so desperately seek. Number one. Number two is generally speaking, are you are you quick to repent or are you reluctant? Do you fight with God? Or are you really quick to concede? Would you say that your heart was soft to God and hard to sin? Or is it maybe a little bit the other way around? In which case, use the response time. Today, we've got plenty of time. Use the response as a consecration time. And pray something like this. Lord, would you soften my heart? Lord, would you break my will? Lord, would you draw me near? This one applies to all of us. I'm convinced anything we can do to cultivate this kind of responsive heart, to be radically responsive, we need to go after that. Two verses I read this morning. Joshua 3, verse 5. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Matthew 5 verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So number two, generally speaking, are you quick to repent or reluctant? And then number three, the general response is let's pray for a move of God. They say as it goes with the church, so it goes with the world. Not the other way around. Which means it is us first. Which means that it's me first. Are we prepared to, to pay the price and to count the cost? Because it starts on our knees. I'm going to ask the team to come back up, if that's okay. And I'll just remind you what those responses are. Number one it is a chance for you to... to, to to repent essentially and my suggestion is if you're gonna do that I'm gonna suggest you do that in your seat because I'm running this through in my mind thinking we're all gonna be sitting there going huh didn't think they'd go forward wonder what it is and I don't think that's a good game to play all right so if you're gonna do this one I suggest you do it in your own seat or or make it look as though you come to front and make it look as though you're doing one of the other ones which is this law, this consecration, personal consecration. In my view, you cannot do this enough. God, would you soften my heart? God, would you transform my heart? God, would you do whatever you need to do in me so you can do what it is that you really desperately need to want to do through me? Because there's a sequence to that. And we're going to spend the next probably half an hour or so with the worship team playing just in a place where you can pray those prayers. We'll sing some of those songs today. And we'll sort of throw that out wider and say, wouldn't it be wonderful, it's great to have repentant actions, it's great to have a repentant attitude, but we want that move of repentance to sweep through the church, to sweep through the other churches in this nation, to sweep through this country that we love. We need that spirit. Let's pray. Let's let's get a bit agitated. Let's get a bit passionate. Let's let that holy discontent stir, as it were. And let's pray for a move of God in this church, and in this community, and in this nation. If that's okay? Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray, and we'll get that going. Uh, usual rules apply. If you feel that you've got a word from the Lord, come see me, and, um, and we'll, we'll share that. Um, and I'm very open for the next, however, I can't even see the clock, praise the Lord. Perfect. Uh, the bright light. So we, we'll, we'll leave as much time as we need, and, and however the Lord wants to redirect us, and what he wants to reinforce and re-emphasize, let, let's allow him to do that, shall we? Let's pray. Lord God, we are so grateful that we have the opportunity to repent because we don't really deserve it. Yet you are a God of abounding mercy and failing love. You're a God who called us to yourself. You're a God who has shed his own blood, who has paid the ultimate price so we might have this precious relationship with you. And now, Lord, it's up to us to guard and to cultivate and to steward that relationship. And that means when we do mess up, which we will and we do more often than we'd like, Lord, we need to be quick to come back to you. I love this word, return. Lord, there are people in this room today who need to repent. They're not horrible sinners destined for hell. Jesus has taken care of that. But there's something damaging their relationship with you, maybe with someone else. Lord, may they be sensitive tonight to that convicting voice. May they make a decision today to enact 1 John 1, verse 9. For each of us, Lord, would you cultivate that repentant heart. Lord, the things, the affairs, the challenges, the wounds of this world tend to harden us. We've all got a few masks we hide behind, a few shields that we put up, a few walls we've built. My prayer, Lord, is that they'd come tumbling down tonight, such that there is nothing standing between us and you. And there is no doubt, if we could have a church full of people who've come to that place, then what could happen as a result of that, the world has never seen. Come to it, Lord. And then thirdly, Lord, we long for a move of the spirit of repentance, the spirit of holiness, and the spirit of power once again. Lord, we prayed this prayer before and we'll pray this prayer again. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe your breath. Send your fire and your rain. Let the wind of your spirit blow. Come, Holy Spirit, set your church on fire, we pray.